Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop aboard on this football Friday night. Bottom of the hour, we will do a hot stove check-in, including the non-tender deadline. It's happening right about now across, uh, across Major League Baseball, and it sounds like a former NL MVP is going to be cut loose. We'll tell you who and why I think it makes sense for the Phillies to look into especially with Bryce Harper out to start next season. We'll get to that. Uh, the latest in the shortstop market, NFL picks, guess the takes, and, of course, our favorite FanDuel Sportsbook props for the Eagles and the Colts on Sunday. Speaking of that game, let's talk to a guy who knows a little about the Colts here. His name is George Bremer. He's from the Blue Horseshoe Podcast, one of our Odyssey NFL podcasts here. And I figured, listen, we've been talking about Eagles-Colts all week. There's some people worried about this matchup. Jonathan Taylor the new Jeff Saturday coaching thing that's going on out there. Let's talk to a guy who knows and talks about this team and covers this team all the time. George Bremer joining us right now on the guest line. Hey, George, how you doing tonight? Doing well. How are you? Well, we're doing well. Uh, I mean, the team's 8-1, and one, so the, everyone here is doing pretty well. But coming off a loss and, and now a, a little bit of apprehension heading into uh, the Eagles' next opponent, which, of course, is the Colts. George, question is, how are you after watching the Colts win with Jeff Saturday on Sunday? It seems like it's been a kind of a roller coaster season out there. Uh, to say the least, I think a lot of heads still spinning around this place. Uh, it has been as unpredictable a year as I can remember. I've been around this team, uh, at least in some capacity, since 2010. And I can't remember anything quite like this season, uh, even just the last three weeks. I mean, we talked to Reggie Wayne earlier this week, and he said, you know, it's his first year as a position coach. He can write a book already, and and I don't think he's I don't think he's joking. He, he absolutely could. Uh, it's it's been roller coaster is, is is a very good way to put it. So George, what happened um, before we get to talk about the team right now and and what kind of matchup this is on Sunday? What what changed? Because I, I would argue about a year ago, George, other than quarterback, right? Because that that's been in a flux since uh, Andrew Luck retired abruptly a few summers ago. It seemed like a pretty stable franchise. Frank Reich had been there a while and, and was doing pretty well. Uh, obviously, Chris Ballard's been there a long time. I, did, I didn't look at the Colts and say instability about a year ago, and since then, it feels like everything has just, just changed. Well, why? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, I think that's part of why everything that's happened this season is so shocking. It started really with the offensive line kind of taking a, a major step back. Uh, they've given up 36 sacks this year. They had a stretch there where they just uh, they had nine sacks, obviously, in, in the loss against New England, which was Reich's last game. But four, five, six sacks was a was a regular week, uh, and I think it just I, I think at some point the owners started to go a little crazy, uh, given this whole quarterback carousel, the, the way uh, things have gone since Andrew Luck retired. You know, a new guy every year. Obviously, things ended last year very poorly with Carson Wentz. You guys are, are familiar with that feeling. Uh, and then bring in Matt Ryan, and there were incredibly high expectations uh, because they felt like he was the missing piece, and that line fell apart. The running game went away as a result of that. They couldn't protect him. He turned the ball over, and, you know, after they lost to Tennessee uh, for the second time, it just felt like for the first time in years there was real panic coming from the front office, from from really from the owner's office. Uh, you know, they went with Sam Ellinger, then they fired Marcus Brady, the offensive coordinator, and then they fired Frank Reich, and it felt like in some ways that last one sort of stabilized them in a way in that I think it shocked everybody a little bit to their senses. Uh, you know, it, it was such a big move. I think the players came together and said, all right, we've got to do something about this or this season is going to totally get away from us. 
George, tell us your reaction to the Saturday move when it happened, and then after watching his first week or so on the job, including a win on Sunday, um, has your perception changed at all? Uh, give, give us the kind of the, the thought process on Jeff Saturday as he's gone from, I mean, basically just a consultant who was a coach, high school coach in, you know, on, on the side to now the head coach of the Colts in, in about a two-week span. Hey, I was absolutely stunned along with everybody else when the news first came. That was funny because that day, you know, the Frank Reich firing was the news, and we all had written that story. And about a couple hours later, uh, the Jeff Saturday news broke, and, and that overshadowed everything. You know, that was such a crazy move uh, that, that everything else became secondary. I'm still not really sure what to think about it long term. He obviously rallied the guys. Uh, they, they performed much better, I think, than they, expect, than they were expected to last week. Uh, a lot of that has to do with, with the problems the Raiders have as well. So it's hard to really know what you can take from that game and, and what really was a mirage. Uh, but one thing's for sure about Saturday, he's got a ton of energy. He's got a ton of passion for the game. And it's really infectious. Even when he's talking to the media, uh, he's just one of those guys that fires up a room with his personality. Like the players took that right away. But the biggest thing he did was reinstall Matt Ryan as a starting quarterback. I, I think there was a lot of faith in his ability, what he's done in the fourth quarter this season, five fourth-quarter comebacks, four-game-winning drives. I think this team feels a lot more confidence when he's on the field, no matter what the situation is. Uh, and the second biggest thing he did was to empower the leaders of this team and tell them, you know, this is your show. Uh, this is going to go the way you guys make it go. You know, this story's going to be written by you. And I think they really took that to heart. Guys like the Forrest Buckners, hear Franklin – Matt Ryan got up in front of the team uh, and, and you know, basically gave him a passing speech and said, look, it doesn't matter who the coach is. You know, if they can fire Frank Wright, they can fire all of you too. So we better get this together and we better figure something out. It worked for a week. Now we'll see. It's a much bigger test this week than it was last Sunday. George, um, give me your thoughts on Nick Sirianni, what you thought of him while he was in Indianapolis. I mean, I'll just tell you, when he got the job here a couple years ago, there was surprise. There was kind of like a who is this? Uh, his opening press conference in Philadelphia will live in infamy. It, our, one of our drop boards here still has about half of it based on what he said or just stumbled to say that day. It was not a great first impression, George, to, to, put, to put it mildly. And he got off to a tough start last year, 2-5. and five. And since then, I think the Eagles might have the best record in the NFL. You know, since that point around the end of last October, he's blossomed into a really good head coach. What did you think of him, George, uh, at the time he was a Colts coordinator? Are you surprised he's doing this well this quickly? No, you know, I'm not surprised because I think Nick's always been a really bright guy. Uh, and he obviously spent a lot of time around Frank Reich. I mean, uh, that's one of his coaching mentors. They really came up together. Well, he really came up alongside Reich in San Diego. Uh, and then they were able to carry that over here in Indianapolis. I think he's got a lot of confidence. He's got that edge to him uh, that I don't know a lot of head coaches have. You know, he's feisty out there on the sideline. Uh, even after, you know, a lot of the postgame videos with him can be highly entertaining. Uh, but I think Nick's just, he's a young guy. He's got a lot of energy. I think he really relates well to players. We saw all of that here in Indy. Uh, even when he did his, you know, crossover uh, media availability with us this week. He, he was calling out guys by name. He still remembers their verse, their voices. He's just a really personable guy, and I think he connects really well with players as a result of that. Uh, and it's much like Frank Reich. I think it, for him, it's, it's more about that interpersonal relationship than it is the X's and O's. But he's really good at that too. So you know, I, you never know how things are going to go in the NFL. I think there's so many things that that, that a coach 
doesn't have control of that have to kind of break your way. But it's not surprising to me that he's winning. I, I think we always felt like this is a guy that, you know, once somebody gave him a chance, he, he would run with it. We're talking to George Bremer here from the Blue Horseshoe Podcast, one half of it along with Ryan Hickey of CBS Sports Radio. George, um, so I, I guess well, let, let me frame it this way. What kind of a team are the Eagles facing on Sunday? Because when the year started, I would have said the Colts were a good team. I, th- I thought they'd win that AFC South. Obviously, that's probably not going to happen now. Uh, and then about three weeks ago, I said, oh, wow, they're a bad team. I look up, though, they're 4-5-1. and one. They have Ryan back at quarterback, and their defense statistically looks like it's pretty good. What kind of team is, are the Colts right now? That's a really good question. It changes from week to week. I mean, every week this year has been its own season. You really never know what to expect from them from one week to the next. But I think the defense has been a constant. They've been a playoff caliber defense all year long. They had a great job against Kansas City uh, early in the year, their first win. I think going into that one, there was a lot of trepidation because they hadn't played well in the first two weeks. But really since that week three win, the defense has been really consistent. Uh, the, the secondary really rallied behind Stephon Gilmore, who's been a terrific addition to this team. I think he's been able to close out a couple games uh, just with his play in the fourth quarter. The linebackers have been really good, really solid, even without Shaquille Leonard. Uh, but the the heart of this defense right now has been the defensive tackles. With DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart just blow up series. Uh, there's times with which each of them where they'll just decide no one's going to move the ball on, on this set of downs, and, and they'll just make that happen. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how they match up with, with Philadelphia. I think they face the team – as explosive, and Kansas City is explosive in its own way, but I don't think they've, ex- they've faced a team as explosive on the ground as the Eagles can be and as versatile as the Eagles are. I mean, they, they can do so many different things with so many different weapons. I think it'll be a really good test for that defense. Offensively, last week's the first time all year I think we saw the team we expected to see. The offensive line got it together. They ran for 6.9 yards for carry. Jonathan Taylor broke off a 66-yard run. They protected Matt Ryan. He was really efficient as a result. If you get that offense, which I think the Colts thought they would have every year, then they can be in the game with just about anybody. But if the line is is as leaky as it's been at times and they can't get that run game going and they can't protect Matt Ryan, it can get really ugly just as quickly. George, uh, Jonathan Taylor on Sunday had probably his best game of the season. Uh, is he kind of rounding back into that formula? He's, last year, from like, basically pillar to post, he was the best running back in the league. He hasn't been that so far this year. Did you see kind of the Taylor of 2021 last Sunday? What, what kind of Jonathan Taylor are the Eagles going up against? Because I'm sure you, you guys are talking about it this week. The Eagles' run defense right now. It's been an issue. Uh, they lost Jordan Davis, their big nose tackle, a few weeks ago in an injury. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to pass this thing together. I mean, they're signing guys off the street. I mean, high-profile guys like Sue and Linval Joseph. But they're, they're in a flux right now stopping the run. What, what kind of uh, performance did you see from Taylor on Sunday? And, and is, he, is he back to what he was last year? Yeah, I think he's healthy for the first time. I think that really made a big difference. He was dealing with an ankle injury, and he didn't have that burst that, that we've seen from him really since he got here out of Wisconsin. Uh, but you did see it on Sunday. That 66-yard run was the longest one he's had since Christmas Day last year. So you get a feeling of how long that struggle has kind of gone. It was just as one, since his second 100-yard game. Uh, and really even the first one against the Texans, a lot of that came in the fourth quarter when they were kind of running a hurry-up offense and it kind of spread the defense out. So it, didn't, it felt more gimmicky than Sunday when they really were just lining up and, and blowing people off the ball. And he looked like his old self on Sunday for sure. Uh, again, you know, we'll see how that goes. The offensive line right now, 
has been in flux all year. It, it remains we've seen a Braden Smith will play at right tackle on Sunday. I think he was a big part of what they did last week against the Raiders. And if that line can can hold up, if they can give him a little bit of room, uh, Jonathan Taylor on Sunday did look like his old self for the first time this year. Yeah, and that's a fear for the Eagles right now because their run defense uh, is pretty suspect. All right, so other than Taylor, we'll end with this, George. Other than Taylor, who should uh, our, our audience and who should I be worried about on Sunday when the Eagles line up against the uh, the Colts? If it's not Taylor, who who's the playmaker? Who, who are the guys that could hurt the Eagles on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, Michael Pittman Jr. is their number one guy. He and Matt Ryan really hit it off as far back as the spring. Uh, he's been the guy that, that gets the most targets. The defenses have really kind of tried to take him away since about week three once they realized Ryan was going to go to him more than anybody else. I think the other guy that, that's really been stepping up and making plays, Paris Campbell's healthy for the first time in his NFL career, and he's tied for the team lead with three touchdowns. He's a guy that sometimes gets lost in the flow. People are worried about Alec Pierce, the rookie, beating him deep. They're worried about Pittman being that, that physical chain mover, and then you know Campbell kind of flips in there and, and can make big plays. George, I appreciate you hopping on. Great stuff, and uh, we will definitely check out the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Thank you, George. There he goes, George Bremer there from the Blue Horseshoe Podcast, joining us there to talk some Colts. And um, I'll tell you, after listening to him talking about the team there, it doesn't – and I think you said it earlier, Tucker, that you were, we were trying to remember their record offhand. Doesn't it feel like they're worse than they are? Like, the Eagles are going in, and I, they're better, but they're 4-5-1. and one. And they do have a defense that's played probably at a top 10 level this year, and their better quarterback is back out there this week. And Jonathan Taylor's healthy. I mean, this doesn't feel like a walkover in terms of the two teams right now. Like, I, I think the Eagles will win this game, but it's a weird Colts thing because two weeks ago I thought they were bad. And then five weeks ago I thought they still could be good. I'm not sure what they are now. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned they're 4-5-1, and one, but they're – Four, three, and one with Matt Ryan under center. And right. if you look at that defense, they rank in the top ten in, in a lot of categories. I think they're second in, in yards per carry as a team right now. So, yeah, it's it's weird because they look like a dumpster fire with all the headlines that they've produced in the last year or so. They sure seem like a dumpster fire, but when you watch them play, and especially under Matt Ryan's control offensively, they aren't that bad. I mean, they put up 389 yards of, of passing against Jacksonville back in week six before Ryan got benched for, for Sam Ellinger the following week against Tennessee. And you kind of see what they did against Vegas where they ran for 200 yards thanks to Jonathan Taylor, who, who's finally healthy. I mean, are the Colts a, a great team? No. Are they better than the Eagles? No. But as you kind of work your way down and look at the matchups, they do match up pretty favorably against the Eagles because they're really good running the football in, in a week where I think the Eagles could try to establish the run early especially because they didn't do it last week, you're running into an, a, a defense that's second in the league against the run. Yeah, they're pretty good against the pass. Um, the Eagles are down, down a big pass catcher, obviously, in Dallas Goddard. I keep coming back to Jalen Hurts' legs on Sunday. I, I think they could be the X factor in the game. He has not used them to the extent he did early in the season. I mean, they just haven't run the ball with Jalen Hurts much. You know, it's outside the quarterback sneak type of stuff. Uh, that feels like an X factor. No, no. Uh, is he? It's Shaquille Leonard now, or Darius Shaquille? No, now he's Shaquille. Sha- you might go, go back to Darius because this season's been terrible. Yeah, I mean, uh, Shaq Leonard really hasn't put a stamp on the NFL the way Darius did. Now, I'm sure a lot of people think it's a different linebacker who has neck and knee and nose and back issues. Yeah, th- but with him out, and obviously, uh, whatever his name is, he's not playing on Sunday. 
it just takes something away from their defense that maybe could have stopped Jalen Hurts' legs or, or contained him a little bit. I, I just think they're going to need that on Sunday to win this game. This this doesn't feel like an easy game unless they could pressure Matt Ryan. That, that feels like another X factor. That line for the Colts isn't what it used to be. The right tackle's banged up too today. If they pressure Matt Ryan, that's where they could get ahead and just stay ahead. Yeah, I mean, that, that offensive line is expensive, and it's not very good. And the other thing to think about, and it's something the Eagles have excelled at all season until last week, is turnovers. The Colts are 29th mm. in, in turnovers offensively, and they're 24th in, in takeaways defensively. So that's something that the Eagles have been been really good at and, until they lost to the Commanders. That's something they should be able to take advantage of. Matt Ryan has 10 touchdowns and 9 interceptions so far. Yeah, and I mean Matt. Matt's probably on the way out as being a star. I mean, I still don't understand why they benched him. That, that's I'm still not sure. Except Jim Irsay just you got an itchy trigger finger a couple weeks ago. Said he's making calls. Feels like what happened. Is it kind of weird that Frank Reich had to play Sam Ellinger so he could get fired, and then as soon as Jeff Saturday comes in, he gets to pick the quarterback? Well, I mean, when you hire a head coach with as much experience as Jeff Saturday, you let, you leave him alone, you let him do his job. He's a leader of men. That's right. Um, he went from high school straight to the NFL and won his first game. Here, here's, here's what I can't have happen. I can't have the Eagles lose their second straight game and the second one be to Jeff Saturday. Just can't, we, we can't do it. I mean, that, all the good vibes for two months of winning football, it feels like it really dissipates fast if they lose two in a row, including the second one to Jeff Saturday. Yeah, it wouldn't be great. No, I mean, he's not even really a head coach. I mean, he's just there because Jim Irsay likes him. I mean, I know he won his first game. But Is then, he like a figurehead? Is he a head of state? It's kind of like the Queen of England. Like, he's not doing anything, but when you think Colts, you think Jeff Saturday. Yeah, you ever watch The Crown on Netflix? I have not. I hear good things. It's uh, it's kind of about the Queen of England. So I've, I've watched some of it. She doesn't do anything. No, but she's I, – I hate to say mascot because I think that probably <laughs> – is underselling her. The well, Colts do also, have a mascot. It's yeah. a horse. Yeah. But she also just passed away, this person we're talking about. The horse? No. The, the, the Queen of England. Not like the the where I am in the show. Yeah, I but was... she was like 95. No, like, I, know. I don't I think know. it was really a, a tragedy. <laughs> That's what old people do, Joe. I No, I understand that. It was a, it was a perfectly reasonable age for her to pass. I mean, I, I, we agree on that. I just don't feel bad comparing her to a blue horse. No, it, I, I don't know where that came from, but I'm just saying... Watching this show, now where I am in the portrayal of her, she's much younger. She's like 60, right? So she's very, she's all there. She's in her prime, really. Yeah, but she doesn't do anything. She's, every scene is just her having tea and, and lunch with somebody. Do you think that's a secret to a long life is don't do anything? Probably more than you think, right? It's the people that grind and, and are, are working themselves hard. They, you think she ever had stress? Yeah, I mean, there's stress. Yeah, I mean, the, her, the divorce between her son and Princess Diana kind of, put the country on tilt it was yeah there's a lot there I mean you're kind of expected to be like you said a figurehead or I just feel like the mascot. stresses of the monarchs of years and ages past are no longer there like well that's true she doesn't have to worry about a coup she doesn't have to worry about like another family coming in and burning down Buckingham Palace no, I think we're past that no we are yeah no we better be um no I, no, I think it's a different kind of stress it's like the country looked to her for to set the tone more than actually do anything. I'm telling you, I, I've watched like four episodes. The lady just has tea and hangs out with people all the time. And that's what Jeff Saturday is doing. <laughs> is it tea? Probably it, something else. Probably booze. I mean, let's be real. I'll be drinking beer and hanging out with the owner. We're not, we're not, we're not hanging out and, and sipping tea in, um, 
in Indianapolis. All right, on the other side, we got a lot to hit in our, in our final segment here on this Friday night. We're going to have a hot stove check-in, including the non-tender deadline today. A former NL MVP, and not, not that long ago, is now a free agent, and I think it makes sense for the Phillies to inquire about signing him, especially with Bryce Harper out for an extended period next season with uh, elbow surgery coming up for Bryce on Wednesday. So we'll get to a hot stove check-in, which shortstop the Phillies are most likely to land. Bad news in the NL, as the best team on paper might get better. And, of course, we have NFL picks, guys, the takes, and a hot, and a, um, and a FanDuel Sportsbook props for the Eagles and the Colts. All coming up on Sports Radio 94 WIP. One of the things I love about betting on the NFL is that I'm always finding new player or game props that I like. And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook, in partnership with Valley Forest Casino, is you combine these props and other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout. Perfect for Sunday's games. How about we use the Eagles game here? Let's look ahead here. I, I do like Jalen Hurts uh, and his rushing total in this game to go over. I do like Matt Ryan to throw an interception, and I will take the Eagles to win the game. Same game parlay is one of the many reads I bet with FanDuel. Look, it's easy to use, easy to register, easy to deposit, easy to find your bet. And it's America's number one sports book. When you win, FanDuel pays your winnings fast. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official partner of 94WIP. I really like the FanDuel app. There's no feeling like nailing a same-game parlay bet, so lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. New to FanDuel Sportsbook? Sign up today, promo code Gilio for your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's promo code G-I-G-L-I-O. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Welcome back, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley behind the glass. You guys with us, 215-592-9494. And what's about to uh, to happen here for the next 25 minutes or so is, is one of our favorite segments of the week where we do the most we could possibly do in our final half hour of the show every week. Let's start with our nightly hot stove check-in. And tonight's an interesting one because tonight, 8 p.m., the non-tender deadline across Major League Baseball. And... For those of you out there like, well, I think I know what that is. What is that? Basically, you have players that are not free agents yet, but you have to tender them a contract, right? That, that kind of the guys that in between their, their fourth and sixth year in the majors, you have to give them a contract for the next year. It's not just automatic. And for most teams, most players who they do want back, it becomes kind of routine and automatic. Like the Phillies tendered Reese Hoskins a contract. They tendered uh, Jose Alvarado a contract. No, no one of note was non-tendered by the Phillies. But there was there were oh, every year there are some players that are non-tendered by teams who just don't want to pay them what they're going to get in arbitration. They're like, it's just we want to move on. Uh, and you don't cut them, you non-tender them. A couple of years ago, the Chicago Cubs non-tendered Kyle Schwarber. I think he's hit like 100 home runs in the two years since they non-tendered that guy. So that was a bad decision. Probably a mistake. Yeah, they haven't won anything since. They haven't. Um, and a long time ago, about 20 years ago now, the Minnesota Twins famously non-tendered David Ortiz. That one didn't work out either. So this happens. I think two years ago, the White Sox non-tendered Carlos Rodon. He ended up going back there for one year, but then he left again and went to the Giants and had a Cy Young kind of season. So this happens where you might find like a star player who just gets cut loose tonight. So the one that I think is the most interesting in in terms of a Phillies conversation is Cody Bellinger was non-tendered by the Los Angeles Dodgers tonight. I mean, the guy won an MVP in 2019. I I understand he has stunk the last couple years. So many strikeouts. The batting average is probably, like, eye-openingly bad. But it's not like he's 32 or 30, even 30, where it's like, all right, he's just – it's over, right? He's past his prime. he, He can't hit anymore. Is Cody Bellinger even 26 yet? I think he was 23 when he won the MVP, maybe. 
I'd be surprised if he's more than 26 years old. I mean, that, I think he's right there. Uh, he is 27. Okay, so 20. So, but that's he's two months younger than me. Okay, so he's, he's he just played his age 26 season. Yes. Okay. I would. I'd be interested in seeing how much it costs to sign him on a one-year deal. Schwarber, who again was non-tendered a couple of years ago, I think he signed like a one-year eight million dollar deal or ten million dollar deal with the Nationals, and then obviously parlayed that to to coming here this past year. I would look into Cody Bellinger. So a couple of things: one, his power has always been enormous and real. Two, the Phillies have a hole in the lineup without Bryce Harper for I don't know two months next season, maybe more. You know, how many guys out there will be able to fill that hole? I mean, I, I know we could do the Derek Hall thing again, and that probably could work against right-handed pitching, but there's not a lot of upside to Derek Hall, and he's got to be a DH anyway. Cody Bellinger's a quality center fielder who I'm sure if they want to play right and they leave Marsh at center field, they could do that. And then, you know, there's also a chance Castellanos just doesn't bounce back. And, like, then you're not locked into it. You have an option in right field or in the outfield or DH, whatever, not named Nick Castellanos. I, I would look into it. I know they have other things they're going to do. They have other needs. They're going to spend on a pitcher or spend on a shortstop. I, I would call up Cody Bellinger's agent and see how much it costs to just get in the mix because they could use him, and, and I think he's worth a flyer. And I think he really fits what they need before Bryce Harper gets back at the very least. He's someone who can play all three outfield spots. Yep. He has experience playing first base as well, and if Bryce Harper isn't back until July or so, he can kind of rotate in with everybody, right? Like, we, we've talked before about how this is a team with three or four DHs in the lineup. Well, guess what? If you're DH in Reese Hoskins, Cody Bellinger can play first. If you're DH in Kyle Schorber and Nick Castellanos, you can move Cody Bellinger to center and, and Brandon Marsh to the corner or vice versa. I just think he's such a versatile piece defensively that if you add someone like him, I don't want to say the offense is a bonus because it depends on how much you're paying him, but he could just take down quality innings as a plus defender at four different spots where you didn't get good defense last year. Again, the last three years have been poor. Last two. I mean, 2020 was fine. The last two years have been bad. Like, he's been a bad player. But this is a guy, he hit 47 home runs and won a gold glove. How, how many players ever have had a year where they've won, hit 47 home runs and won a gold glove? I mean, that's got to be a very short list. I, I, I think... I, I think a bunch of teams will, will try to take a flyer on him because, all right, it's it's probably a one-year deal. If he stinks, well, okay, let him go. If he hits, it's like, wow, we got a star player. His batting average should jump 45 points this year. From 165 to 210? Yeah, that's progress. Listen, jumps against 45 points. We got ourselves a player here. I'd be interested. If I, if I were the Phillies, I'd be interested in, uh, in looking at to Cody Bellinger, who was cut loose by the Dodgers tonight. Are right, the two other things. One, John Heyman of the uh, Odyssey and the New York Post today – wrote that, so I'll pull up the quote here, about Xander Bogarts. So he first reported on Bogarts last, I guess it was last weekend, that Bogarts fits the Phillies and, and maybe more than Trey Turner. So the quote in today's column, baseball president Dave Dombrowski has strong ties to Bogarts, and he looks like the most likely. And that was in the section about the Phillies and, and which yeah, he was kind of writing about which teams could be after these shortstops. So Bogarts the most likely for the Phillies. It doesn't surprise me. He's going to cost less than Trey Turner, and there's that familiarity with um, with Dabrowski, which and that's kind of why Castellanos is here, at the familiarity he had with him. I'm not saying they should sign every player he's just familiar with, but that counts for something. I, I will not be surprised if Bogarts is the guy here with the Phillies at shortstop. It, it feels right. And I think his 
price tag is low enough to the point where you can add him and then add a legitimate starting pitcher. I don't know if they can go out and afford someone like Rodon or Justin Verlander, but this is a team with multiple holes. And if Trey Turner was all they needed and all they needed was an upgrade at shortstop, I would say, yeah, go all in and do it. But this is a team that, that really needs help, especially on the pitching side when it comes to depth. So, yeah, if you can save a couple bucks and add a guy who's gotten an all-star nod or MVP votes in, like, each of the last six seasons, by all means, go do that and try to address that, that fourth spot in your rotation. Yeah, I'm in on that idea. Now, the last thing tonight, and this is not great news for the Phillies or anyone in the NL, the Dodgers are already the best team on paper. So according to John Heyman, they are now planning on chasing Aaron Judge in free agency. So the Dodgers are going to lose Trey Turner, most likely, and they're going to go replace him with Aaron Judge? It's almost like the Dodgers just kind of trade out ways to just win 110 games. Like, how, how can we do it this year? Find, get Mookie Betts, develop this player, sign that player, trade for that player. And now maybe Aaron Judge goes and joins that crew out in Los Angeles. I mean, they're really just swapping him for Bellinger, if that's the case, isn't it? Bellinger is pretty much their everyday center fielder, yeah. played 140 games. Yeah, they'll, they'll get way better if they do it. Yeah, I mean, look, the Dodgers have had so many years where they're the best on paper. It doesn't resonate in the in the postseason. But it almost feels unfair if, they, if they're stacking. I mean, if they're stacking, think about their lineup. They could go one, two, three of Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Aaron Judge. They finished top three in almost every offensive category in the National League. Yeah, and they could and they could add a guy who had sixty two home runs. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. So and they obviously have the money to do it. They have one hundred million coming off the books this offseason. So keep an eye on that one. We could have Aaron Judge being chased by the Dodgers and the Giants in the NL, along with the Yankees in the American League. All right, let's get to NFL picks here. Guess the takes for week number eleven. Does it feel like it's Thanksgiving week? I guess next week's Thanksgiving. Week. I really think they should have restarted the NFL season after the Phillies ended. Like from week one? Yeah, like I think we really missed half the season watching the team in October. But the Eagles were undefeated. Yeah. You, you would have signed up for that. Yeah, I would have redone it. Okay. Uh, I feel just, like we didn't get to properly enjoy it. Well, well, you know what? We have 18 weeks now, so there's still a decent chunk of the season to go. Let's talk about the picks for this week and um, and the takes, how I think everyone's, what I th- everything everyone's going to be saying on Monday. Number one, we'll start with this game. I think there's an upset brewing up in the Meadowlands in East Rutherford, New Jersey on Sunday. I don't know how the Giants win every week. I mean, I, you look at some of the numbers, that receiving core is horrendous. It's the worst receiving core in the NFL. Daniel Jones is getting by throwing for like 175 yards a game. I mean, they're great, great production out of Saquon Barkley. But I just I just feel like if you show me a team like the Giants, I'm going to start going the other way, and I think the losses will start to come. I'm going to take the Lions plus the three in New York against the Giants on Sunday, and I think they can win the game outright. Detroit's defense has gotten a little bit better the last three, four weeks. They've won two in a row under Dan Campbell for the first time, and I look at this game and I say, are they going to blow the Giants? Are the Giants going to blow the Lions out? I don't think so. Who has the better quarterback in this game? I guess Daniel Jones is a little bit better than than, uh, than Jared Goff, I guess, but I, I don't have conviction in that. Who has the better weapons? across the offense. It's the Lions. They have better receivers than the Giants by a lot. And I don't think the Giants' defense is overwhelming. I think they missed their safety, uh, McKinley, who's out for a little while with an injury. I'm going the Lions plus the three. I think it could be a very close game. In fact, I think the Lions go to and win this game 
in New York against the Giants. Lions plus three on Sunday. Pick number one. Game number two, I'm actually interested in this matchup. It's, it's one of the biggest ones of the weekend, and I didn't think it would be before the season. The Jets at the Patriots. And there's just one aspect of this game I can't get over. If you look at Zach Wilson's numbers, overall they're bad. If you look at Zach Wilson's numbers against Bill Belichick, they are like you, you have to shield your eyes. That's how bad Zach Wilson has played against Bill Belichick defenses in his first two years in the NFL. I don't think that changes on Sunday. I'm going to go with the Patriots minus three and a half. I think they're better. I think at home off a bye, Belichick gets a quarter, young quarterback he's owned. It's a good spot for the Pats. Patriots minus three and a half on Sunday against the New York Jets in a big AFC East battle. And my third play for this week, I'm going the Pittsburgh Steelers plus three and a half at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't, I don't, I haven't understood all year what the Bengals are. Some weeks they look really good. Some weeks they just lay out complete clunkers. I'm not the biggest fan of their coach, Zach Taylor. I know they were in the Super Bowl last year. And I just say Mike Tomlin getting points. TJ Watt came back last week. I took the Steelers last week in our, our pick segment. Getting one and a half at home against the Saints. They won that easily. At home, Mike Tomlin late in the season getting points. Plus, TJ Watt is back. It's a totally different defense with, with TJ Watt. In week one, th- these teams played. TJ Watt was healthy. And the Steelers defense harassed Joe Burrow the entire game. I think they could do it again. Make this game ugly. Muck it up. Give me the Steelers plus three and a half. Kenny Pickett to George Pickens, some big plays down the field. I'll take the Steelers plus the three and a half on Sunday for my third pick of the week. And then I got to throw this one out there because I, I think we get another upset, but it doesn't really feel like an upset. The Chicago Bears have run for over 200 yards in five straight games. Justin Fields has the most rushing yards of any quarterback in a five-game span in the history of the NFL. They have found something in Chicago with Fields and running the football, and they go to Atlanta this week. And I look at this, it's, it's kind of a, uh, like a revenge or narrative spot for Justin Fields. He's a Georgia kid, and the Falcons passed on him in last year's draft. And they obviously should have taken him now that we're watching Fields emerge. Like, their quarterback's Marcus Mariota, and they don't really have a future unless Des- Desmond Ritter could play. I think Fields goes down to Atlanta with the Bears and shows the Falcons what they missed out on. I'm going to take the Bears plus the three. I think they can win the game outright in Atlanta. So I'm going to go the Bears plus the three, Giants plus the three, Steelers plus three and a half, three dogs, and I'll go with the Patriots minus three and a half on Sunday for my plays this week. Now it is time to guess the takes, what everyone is talking about come Monday across the NFL. Take number one you're going to hear is that Justin Fields is the next superstar kind of quarterback. And we'll see if he gets that level. But doesn't it feel like he's on a a trajectory where if he keeps going like this, he's one of the stories of the NFL season? I mean, five weeks ago, Fields was, I mean, basically a bust. And now he's come out of nowhere. I mean, some morons in the WIP League dropped Justin Fields. I mean, can you imagine that, dropping Justin Fields in the middle of the season? Yeah, and I think the guy who picked him up should be forced to bring him back to us. I agree with that because he's not winning anyway. That no, guy. and if you are just harboring Justin Fields on a losing team, you're a scumbag. <laughs> I agree. That guy is a loser and should hand Fields back to us for the stretch run of the season. Anyway, it was Tucker and I that dropped Justin Fields. We're actually doing fun. I mean, I, I have to say I'm proud of our team this year. I'm proud of how we're doing. 
We probably would win the league if we kept Fields. I'm sad Tom Kelly doesn't have the speakers on, so he can't hear us. He can't hear us rip them to shreds here over his Justin Fields pickup. Anyway, Fields as a superstar is a take you're going to hear on Monday. Take number two you're going to hear on Monday is that the Saints are a listless football team that actually is going to give away a top five pick to the Eagles. You know the Saints are down to three and seven now? And are we sure they should be favored over the Rams on Sunday? I know the Rams are without Cooper Cup. But are we sure the Saints should be a three-point favorite against anyone in the NFL right now? Especially a team that has a better quarterback at coast than they do. I think the Rams go to New Orleans on Sunday, win the game. And I think the Saints at 3-8 and eight are staring and handing the Eagles a top-five pick in the NFL draft. And the third take you're going to hear come Monday is maybe, just maybe, we went too far too fast on Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert a year ago was being put into an elite class of quarterbacks. He, you know, if you go back and look at rankings of quarterback lists, he was ranked top five in a lot of people's expert lists heading into the season. Despite, you know, not making the playoffs, not having a winning record, those kind of things. He was a top five quarterback. He's not playing well. I know he has the rib injury, and that probably has hampered him since week two. And he hasn't had his full complement of receivers this week. He, he may have both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams back. But, I mean, at some point... The Chargers and, and, and Justin Fields have to win football games. They lose on Sunday to the Chiefs. They are 5-5. Five and five. They would be three back with seven to play, including the tiebreaker would be the Chiefs. I mean, they basically be four back with eight to play. They'd be dead in the division. I think you're going to hear too far too fast on Justin Fields, and the hype was over the top. Those are the takes. Those are the picks for week number 11 in the NFL. All right, let's look to uh, FanDuel Sportsbook for our favorite props Eagles and the Colts on Sunday. Eagles currently favored by six and a half points. It is a number that was, it's way different. I mean, that it was, it's actually up to seven now over at FanDuel Sportsbook. So the numbers got back up to seven, perhaps some sharp money coming on the Eagles and it's now at a touchdown. But let's look at the props for this game across the board. And, and there's one, and I know we have to put together a same game parlay over at FanDuel Sportsbook. And, and I I would love if one, one of these weeks we hit one on the nose because after we're done here, I usually put them in. I usually put it, you know, just drop a, a couple bucks on a same-game parlay. It'd be cool to have next week, like, we won and we gave out the winners. Let's try to do it. All right, Eagles, Colts, same-game parlay over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Let's start with this. I think Jalen Hurts' legs have to be a bigger part of the game this week for a lot of reasons. Colts defense pretty good. Uh, Eagles missing Dallas Goddard. I'm not sure how healthy A.J. Brown actually is, even though he had a full participancy in practice today and he'll play on Sunday. I'm going to go, Tucker, I'm going to put Jalen Hurts over 42 and a half rushing yards. They've dropped it. It was like in the 50s for the last five weeks, and he hasn't been coming close. 42 and a half, I think it's a more reasonable number. I think he's going to have to take off, and I think he goes over this number on Sunday. So I'm going to put Hurts over 42 and a half yards rushing on Sunday. Let's go to the Jonathan Taylor rushing yards. Jonathan Taylor's rushing yards right now are set at 85 and a half. What are you thinking? Over, under? I think over. Like, I, I think he's probably, if he gets under 25 carries, I would be shocked. It's their only way to win the game. It's their only way to win the game. And you saw what Jeff Saturday did. I mean, not only did he have, I think, 26 or 27 carries yep. uh, on uh, Sunday in their last win over the Raiders, he played almost every snap offensively. I mean, that just doesn't happen in the NFL. He played 61 
of 65 snaps and had 22 carries for 147 yards. He's going to get the ball a ton. I like it. All right, how about this one? Colts total points. The Colts have been um, a a better defensive team than offensive team. I think they're bottom five or six in yards per play. Eagles defense this year's average. I think they put up the graphic on Monday. They gave up 35 to the Lions week one or in the 30s to the Lions. Then it was 14.3 per game until Monday night. I think the Eagles defense bounces back on Sunday. I like under 19.5 for Colts total points. This strikes me as a 27, 17, 26, 18 kind of game. I'm going to go under 19.5 Colts total points on Sunday. I, I don't think they're going to score a lot. The one thing that I find interesting is the Colts, really their entire offense is underneath passing and Jonathan Taylor runs. Right. Those are two things the Eagles struggle with. The Eagles are the best team defensively uh, on deep passes, and they're kind of middle of the pack when it comes to, to short throws. We saw that on Monday night against Taylor Heineke. He was just kind of hitting Terry McLaurin for, for short slants and letting him take him across the sticks. I don't think the Colts are capable of scoring a ton because that 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 strategy kind of lends itself to being on the right. field a long time. But it does worry me because I just don't think this is a really favorable matchup for the Eagles. How about this one? So the Eagles have not allowed a 250-yard passer in any game this season. Currently, Matt Ryan's passing prop is at 235.5. They're not going to go deep. You mentioned a few minutes ago they have to give the ball at least 25 times to Jonathan Taylor. What do we think about the under on Matt Ryan passing yards? I think 235 is a, is a pretty high number. You look at what he's done so far this season. He He's hit over 235 three, four times this season and had 222 last week against the Raiders. I mean, that seems to be what they're going to do. He only threw the ball 28 times against Las Vegas, and you compare that to 44, 58, 41, 37, 37, 30, and 50 when Frank Reich was the head coach. I just... I think this offense is going to be completely different now that Frank Reich is out of the picture, and it's going to revolve around just basically him turning around and handing the ball to Jonathan Taylor. All right, let's find a touchdown prop here. So we have so far we have four props in for our same game parlay over at FanDuel Sportsbook: Eagles, Colts on Sunday, Hurts over forty-two and a half yards rushing, Jonathan Taylor over eighty-five and a half yards rushing, under nineteen and a half for the Colts total points. Under 235 for Matt Ryan's total. Right now we're looking at about a 10-to-1 parlay here, which is it's fun, but like we could get spicier than that. Where are we going for any time touchdown score? So right now Jonathan Taylor's at minus 135, Miles Sanders minus 120, Hertz minus 120, and after that we get into some of the plus money on some of these guys. What's a fun touchdown prop? What do you think about a Zach Pascal touchdown? I was just going to say, how about a yeah. Zach Pascal revenge touchdown? Yeah, Sirianni coaching Pascal back in his old building. 10 to 1 on a Zach Pascal touchdown. All right, now we're cooking with gas. So you put that touchdown in, Zach Pascal 10 to 1. That puts us at 150 to 1 on a parlay. So that means a $10. Same game parlay over at our friends with FanDuel Sportsbook pays you out $15 or $1,562. Hertz over, Taylor over, Colts points under, Matt Ryan passing yards under, Zach Pascal touchdown, $10, $1,562 on the return. I'll tell you what, if that hits, I have a feeling we won't hear from you next week. You will not. I'm out. F- clean out next week. Just I'm taking a week for myself with my 1500 bucks. 
That that I I like that. That we'll make that our five leg same game parlay over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Hurts over rushing yards. Jonathan Taylor over rushing yards. Colts under total points of 19 and a half. Matt Ryan under 235 and a half passing yards. And the Zach Pascal anytime touchdown score. I love the Zach Pascal angle. It's my favorite angle we have in this in this week's parlay. Pascal, you know Sirianni's got a Pascal play lined up in the red zone. Get him in space. Get him over the middle. Throw it to him. Touchdown. I love that one. That I feel like that. You know, I, of course it's it's a touchdown props. Those are harder, but I feel like that's that's the best one of the parlay. And I feel like Nick Sirianni kind of plays into those storylines, right? Think yeah. about how you know Devontae Smith didn't get the ball week one. He goes out and gets the ball very first play in, in week two. Lane Johnson's kind of been clamoring to get the ball. He got a touchdown last year. Zach Pascal against the Colts. Feels like a great matchup. Yeah, I like that one. So we'll put that How do you in. Think Jeff Saturday will let Nick Foles touch the ball. Mm. What's the prop on a Nick Foles receiving touchdown? I don't. I don't see that one listed. I mean, it, it would have to be what like a thousand and one. I mean, he caught one in the Super Bowl. I, I don't know, know that, if you remember well, that. Well, he was though. He was the starting quarterback that day. He was. He was playing. Yeah, I don't see him listed. Um, Zach Pascal is the least. I mean, he's the, he's the bottom. He's towards the bottom of possible Eagles to score a touchdown. Love that one. All right. Fun- is he the actual lowest one? Is there someone below him? No Eagles below him. Um, the only players below Pascal, like with, with you know lower odds or uh, longer odds, Matt Ryan, Zach Moss, Nikola Kalanick. I don't know. Okay, and uh, Kike sounds like a cough medicine. Kike Kuti. You know him from the Colts. Kiki Kuti. Kiki Kuti. Yeah, he used to play on the uh, the Texans. He was a Texan for a while. He's got. The, I mean, his his odds are. I mean, by far the, the longest. Twenty three to one for a touchdown for Kiki. He must not get many snaps. So if Kiki's at twenty three to one, he has one catch for twenty yards this year. Okay, and has played two offensive snaps. All I know is last week we had defensive touchdown as the last score of the game. We we we, have, we just had the wrong side. Yeah, I mean, that's just the details of the parlay. We we were on it. All right. Coming up next here on WIP, Boomer and Valenti with their weekly NFL podcast and and a preview of the uh, Week 11 slate. So listen to that, and then TK's got you after that right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP.